We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Put, 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 put! This is the Bear Report Podcast. With Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. What's up, Bears fans? Welcome to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. Week nine is in the books, at least for the Chicago Bears, just a little Monday night football game. We're looking forward here to week 10 on a short week. The Chicago Bears, Carolina Panthers, primetime, Thursday night on Amazon Prime. Um, A thrilling, thrilling primetime game. Actually, the whole slate of week 10 is, is quote-unquote, pretty bad um, for primetime games. We're here to break down the Bears' latest losses. They are now 2-7, and falling on the road to the New Orleans Saints, 24-17 on Sunday. Preview a big tank game on Thursday and also give our thoughts on the latest around the team, including a big trade that they made last week. I'm your host, Zach Pearson. Let's bring in my co-host, Aaron Lemming. And Aaron, as I mentioned, man, short turnaround this week. They got the Panthers on prime time. Um, and, you know, it's maybe not exciting for the rest of the country. Al Michaels is probably not excited. However, it's a pretty big game here in Chicago in, in terms of the tank. Yeah, well, I mean, it's never – and the games may not be overly exciting, although I thought Sunday was actually a pretty entertaining game for the most part. But there is never a shortness of entertainment, I guess you could say. There's never a short – of uh, a short – you know, a short – whatever, if you get my point of, you know – I don't even know, man. It's been a circus of a year. I mean, we – it's funny because for the first time – all year, and of course we're doing a get on on Mondays just because this is how things kind of fell. But for the first time all year last week, we do a podcast on Monday. We both say, "Yeah, we don't think anything is going to happen." Then Monday night, the Jalen Johnson, you know, trade or you know, basically granting him a trade news breaks. Tuesday morning, David Walker gets fired, the running back coach. And then Tuesday afternoon, you know, they trade for Montez Sweat, and you know, Jalen Johnson doesn't go anywhere. And then, oh, by the way, they still have a game on Sunday. So, yeah, man, I mean, it's 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 been an interesting week. Um, you know, it's they're two and seven going into, like you said, a, a pretty big game. And in, in terms of you know, when you're looking at draft positioning, I I don't know about you, and I don't know how much time you've spent kind of dissecting uh you know where everything is in the draft order right now but i feel pretty confident and i'm going to say this and it's all going to blow up my face but i feel pretty confident that the teams 
that are currently projected in the top five right now are going to be the teams that end up in the top five. Because I think with with these three win teams, even a team like Green Bay or even the Rams, like the Rams will get back Matthew Stafford uh, probably within the next you know few weeks. I think they have a bye this week. Uh, the Packers have some very winnable games on their schedule, um, including the New York Giants, who just lost Daniel Jones for the year and Tyrod Taylor's on IR um, for at least the next three games. So they're going to be starting Tommy DeVito and or um, Matt Barkley. So, I mean, I, I think that we can feel relatively confident when we're looking at the draft, uh, you know, the draft projections right now to say the you know, the Bears two picks with Carolina and the Bears, Arizona. Um, the New England Patriots, who I think are on the outside of that looking in in terms of, you know, probably going to be the fifth pick. And then obviously, like we pointed out, the Giants who are, you know, two wins. And I don't know that they're going to have another win on the schedule unless Tyrod Taylor comes back and starts lighting things up. So, yeah, this is this is big because it, it I mean, really what this comes down to. I mean, I, I know that there's going to be some people are going to listen to this and roll their eyes and be like, why the hell are you talking the draft in week 10? But the reality of it is the Bears are two and seven. The the Cardinal or the Cardinal, sorry, the, the the Carolina Panthers are one and seven. And had the Panthers lost two weeks ago to Houston when Houston had that that down offensive week, I think we'd be talking about a benefit of you know possibly the Bears losing the game and kind of evening things out because then at that point, you know, Carolina would be sitting exactly where they are right now, except a week later. But since Carolina has that one win and Arizona is getting back Kyler Murray, but Again, you know, there's not going to be a whole lot of wins within these top five teams. I think it makes the most sense for the Bears to win the game and keep Carolina at that one win and hope that, you know, they end up with as high as pick as possible. Because it feels like the Bears have more winnable games down the stretch than Carolina does at this point. Yeah, I'm with you. It's definitely a game that the Bears should win, um, especially if Justin Fields plays. But it's definitely in their best interest um, for them to win. Cause like just looking at the Panthers schedule, so you have the bears, they turn around, they have the Cowboys at home. Dallas should win that game. They have a road game at Tennessee. Um, you know, Tennessee, not a tough opponent. It is a road game. Tennessee is probably you know better than Carolina. They have to go at Tampa Bay for a divisional game on the road, another divisional game um, against New Orleans before returning home to face the uh, Atlanta Falcons on December 17th. And I mean, just that stretch alone, honestly, the only like winnable games, maybe they could upset Tennessee. Maybe. I mean, that's probably in doubt, but like, you know, the pan, the, the Falcons at home is, is, is in my eyes, a winnable game. If we want to chalk that one up, that's one. Um, and then, you know, they, they still have to, they host the Packers. They play at Jacksonville and they host the Buccaneers. So like at maximum counting this game, they might have two, three winnable games. And I don't even think it's it's really that many. I mean, I think realistically, Carolina, you know, if they lose Thursday, they're probably going to win one more at best, one or two more at best the rest of the way. Um, so, yeah, I, I do agree. You know, you look at this top five, um, you know, right now after week nine, and, and obviously we have the Jets and Chargers playing tonight as we're recording this. But, yeah, Arizona's one and eight. They're supposed to be getting Kyler Murray back. I think they'll probably win another game. Um, but yeah, like, you know, the, the, the Panthers are right there. The Bears are right there at number three. The Giants, honestly, I agree with you, are, are the team I'm worried about. Like, they're starting Tommy DeVito. They can't complete any passes. The run game is going to wear down, especially with Barkley. Um, 
you know, I, I think New England will probably get another win. But yeah, the Giants could be a team that's going to need a quarterback. You know, England's going to be a team that's going to need a quarterback. The Rams need a quarterback. I do think the Packers and Buccaneers will be in play for one. Denver, um, and right there, that's your top nine. So yeah, it's going to be interesting how that kind of plays out. But I mean, the Bears right now are in good shape to get one of those top three picks. And even if you get like pick, let's say you have top three pick and maybe a top six pick as well, you're probably going to get either one or two of the quarterbacks or you're going to get Marvin Harrison Jr. So it's really not that bad of a consolation prize. But looking at yesterday's game, I mean, yeah, it was a little more entertaining, a little more fun. I do think the defense is playing better. But, man, like the turnovers killed the Bears. Um, Tyson Bajant flashed some moments where – you know, we saw the potential to, you know, move the ball down the field a little bit on drives, not necessarily taking deep shots or anything like that. But we also saw the bad. He was baited into some bad throws as well. And, you know, it's just it, – it's one of those games where the defense gives them a chance to win the game. It felt like the Saints were giving them chances to win the game at the end. And, you know, it, it is what it is. It's an undrafted rookie quarterback making his third start, not being able to get it done when, you know, it, it counted the most. Yeah, well, and just before we move on to the game, uh, I feel like it's worth noting that the Giants are kind of a big key in this whole drafting, not just because they're terrible, but like looking at their final eight games of the season, uh, they play the Commanders who are four and five, the Patriots who are two and seven, the Packers who are three and five, uh, and then they play the Rams who are three and six. Um, so, I mean, those are, I mean, hypothetically, let's just say they lose all, all of those games. That's basically giving all the teams that are directly in, you know, I guess you could say behind the Bears in terms of, you know, like a little bit more wins. Uh, that would give those teams, or the Bears, a little bit more of a cushion over those teams, and then also give the the Patriots at least one more win. So that's it's definitely worth keeping in mind. But kind of yeah, transitioning back into the game yesterday. I mean, <clears throat> it's just it's it, it cracks me up because again we haven't we haven't talked since the since last week happened. And of course, you know, Matty Rufluz comes out and says the team's culture is great. And then, you know, a few hours later, Ryan Poles comes up and basically says that he has full faith in Matt Eberflus and, you know, goes on this weird rant about how, you know, this team isn't giving up and all you have to do is watch them play to know that they're not giving up and that they're, you know, they're buying into the process. And, you know, I'll be honest, man. I mean, through the, the, the first, uh, eight games of the season up until this weekend. I mean, I, I don't know that I agreed with that. I mean, obviously they had the two blowout wins, but in, you know, five of those six losses um, before yesterday, I mean, they'd just been thoroughly dominated and blown out. I mean, they got blown out by the Packers. They got blown out by the Bucks. Neither one of those two teams are any good, as we've seen. They got blown out by the Chiefs in an embarrassing way. They, you know, obviously the game in Denver was close, but the only reason the game in Denver was close is because they blew a 21 point lead in the second half. And then it's, so it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you can say that, but at the same time, like, no, they've had a lot of really bad losses. And then you go to yesterday and while they turned the ball over five times and there were a lot of penalties somehow, some way they were leading the majority of that game. And even when they got down, when they were down 24 to 17, which ended up being the final score, they had multiple chances to come in and, and and get the win, or at least get the you know get the game tied up and whatever else, and they couldn't do it. And I, I'm sure part of that speaks to the fact that obviously 
the, the you know the the Saints aren't a very good team. Derek Carr has not been the same quarterback this year, but I, I guess I at least have to hand it to him the fact that it was an entertaining game for all but the last two minutes when the you know the Saints ran you know, basically were able to run out the clock or whatever. But I mean for the majority of the game they were not only in it, but I mean they were really competitive, especially considering they gave up those five turnovers. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, we, we have to give Matty Ruffles credit. Like, as much as like, it pains me to give him credit because I still think he is just totally, like, just clueless, and, and and that's a different story. I mean, their defense is playing better. Like, their defense is improving. Their defense is giving them shots to win, and they're doing it while injured. I mean, they did not have Jaquan Brisker. They did not have Tremaine Edmonds. But they have guys, you know, Jack Sanborn stepped up and played really well. Um, you know, Jalen Johnson played well uh, on Sunday. They have guys that, you know, are stepping in and making the most of the opportunity and the defense is really, you know, they're keeping them in the game and that's all you could ask for. Um, but yeah, as far as that offense, man, outside of, you know, the, the, the run game, it's just, it's hard to find a lot of positives. You know, Cole Komet's a big positive. I thought he's played, he's played pretty well as of late. Um, you know, he had the two touchdown game. But it's just like it's just so frustrating because we have to go through this quarterback thing again. And whether we want to make it one or not, it is a quote unquote controversy because anytime you post anything about either of the quarterbacks on Twitter, it is it's just like it's insane because like people think you're talking about the other one, they're comparing the other one. Um, yeah, it's just bad. And I, I think Sunday, I think you're gonna agree with me. Sunday just proved to us. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Tyson Bajant being a good backup quarterback in this league. There's nothing wrong with him being here next year as a good backup. And, you know, it's just, it, it, like I said, he is what it is. He's an undrafted rookie making his third start. He made mistakes. He's made some couple good throws. Um, but yeah, right now, man, it's not the solution to next year. The bears have to find a quarterback for next year. Otherwise we're going to go into the same cycle over and over. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, man, is there's no nuance. I mean, and this is always the way it is. It's just sports talk in general, but it, it's there's no nuance within the conversation. And it's like there's nothing wrong with Tyson Bagent showing enough to be the team's backup quarterback this year in the next three years because he's an undrafted free agent. One, anytime you find an undrafted free agent in any position that can contribute in any way, shape, or form and bring value to your roster, that's 
that's awesome. That's that's great. Um, but I mean, you're talking about a backup quarterback where you're basically, I mean, in 2024 and 2025, you're going to be paying him less than a combined two million dollars um, to to be that guy. I mean, just keep in mind. I mean, they just gave PJ Walker. It was a what a two year four million dollar deal, and obviously two of that million just flew out the window when they cut him at the end of training camp. So. And that's on the lower end of a backup scale. I mean, usually good quality backup quarterbacks are getting anywhere from, you know, four to six to seven million dollars a year. I think Trubisky's making six or seven million dollars a year to be the backup in, in, uh, in Pittsburgh. So there's a lot of value in that. And and I I understand people saying, OK, well, you know, he's only started three games. We don't know what he is yet and blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. But I mean. At the same time, like people keep trying to compare that to Justin Fields at that point. It's like, okay, but the thing is, Justin Fields was, you know, a surefire first round pick. Many people felt that he should have been the second quarterback taken at number two overall. Like, even so, like he was taken at number 11 overall, the Bears traded up for him. The value there is vast. Like, regardless of how you feel about where Justin Fields is as a quarterback right this five seconds, there was a much higher expectation for him as a first round pick than there is for an undrafted free agent that nobody drafted in 256 picks. So that's kind of the thing where it's like, yes, the, the reason that people like myself feel like we already know what he is, is because he has physical limitations. He doesn't have a great arm. Um, yes, he's smart. Yes, he's cerebral. Yes, he's picked up the offense. But I think in a lot of ways, kind of like a, you know, kind of like a Dak or not a Dak Prescott, a, a Mac Jones, we've already kind of seen a glimpse of what the ceiling's going to be. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's like Garner Minshew a few years ago when he came in, he had some good moments in Jacksonville. And then everybody was wondering, like, you know, what are they going to do with him? And obviously they took Trevor Lawrence and next thing you know, Gardner Minshew, you know, gets traded and he's bounced around a little bit. He's with Philly and now he's with Indianapolis. Like he's a quality backup quarterback that can come in and start a few games if you need. But even with Gardner Minshew, I mean, you look at that game yesterday in Carolina, they went 27 to 13 and or 14, I think yeah, it was 27, 14. But the only reason that they scored 27 points is because Kenny Moore had two pick sixes it's like you look at Gardner Minshew, he didn't throw for 200 yards. Like there's a limit and a ceiling to these guys when they have physical limitations and especially arm limitations. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, hey, this guy has a future as a backup quarterback. We want to see more of him. But at the same time, also realizing that there's eight games left in this season. We don't know if Justin Fields is going to play on Thursday. Uh, the injury report got released as we were recording it. He's limited again. I know it's a projection, but at this point in time, I, the fact that he's only limited tells me that there's probably not a great chance that he plays on Thursday. I guess we'll see. But, I mean, let's just say he doesn't play on Thursday. you got seven games to complete the rest of this evaluation in a year that he ends up missing four games and has been up and down. Like, you need all seven of those games. Even if you, even if the Bears have already said, hey, you know, we're keeping Ryan Poles, and Ryan Poles says, this guy is not my quarterback, regardless of if they pick one, two, or five. Like, he's not going to be their quarterback. They're going to figure something else out and go from there. Even if that's the case, you still need these last seven games to kind of showcase him, whether you're keeping him or whether you're trading him in the offseason. Like, these next seven games are important. Like, I, I get people want to see more Tyson Bajan, but at the same time, you know, as a backup quarterback, I mean, Let's just be honest with ourselves. I mean, if if Justin Fields isn't the quarterback in 2024 of the Bears, which I think is trending much more likely as as each week goes on, 
it's going to be either a rookie quarterback or they're going to swing a deal for a Kyler Murray or something along those lines. Like it's not going to be Tyson Bajan. They're not going to roll into 2024 with Tyson Bajan as their starting quarterback. I'm sorry to anybody who thinks that's shocking news or they don't agree. I can promise you right now that Tyson Bajan is not going to be the week one starter going in with a plan of him being the future quarterback. It's just not going to happen. That's just where the ceiling's at. Yeah, that's that's there's literally zero percent chance. I mean, that's that would not make any sense at all. Speaking of Ryan Poles and in the future of this franchise, um, Aaron, the Bears made you know what you can call an interesting um, move the other day after we recorded. You can also um, say it was a smart move. Um, you know, they traded Montez. They traded for Montez Sweat, gave up a second round pick. Um, you know, to Washington. Got a pass rusher. They really needed a pass rusher. You know, they needed one last year. They needed one this season. They went out and got one. Um, as soon as it happened, a lot of dumb, 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 dumb tweets to or you're from even the national media, and a lot of them, you know, um, I believe it was Andrew Brandt had a couple, Michael Lombardi had a couple. Shockingly, they're deleted now. Um criticizing the move and and you know I, I think there is in a way you can criticize the move in terms of a second round pick i totally understand that it's the second straight year that they've given up the most draft capital for a move um in the nfl the first one didn't work out that has nothing to do with this one um chase claypool and montez were totally different players i get it um but the narrative of well you could have just got him in free agency in the first place and saved the second round pick I have no idea where that came from. I have no idea why so many people lashed on to that. It is crazy to me that people can say that. Number one, I don't know the number. I'm guessing it's really, really low. How many edge rushers, pass rushers like that, of that caliber, you know, let's say top 20, top 25 range, actually hit the free agent market, open market? It's, it, it's not a lot each year. It's very, 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 very minimum. There's a reason why teams trade for him. The, the second thing, there were other teams interested in him. Atlanta swings a deal for him. They sign him to a long-term deal. He's not hitting free agency. And then you have like these aggregator accounts. And this is a big reason why. I know you watch the live streams. A lot of people we know watch the live streams. This is one of the biggest reasons why the Bears should never live stream their, their press conferences. So you get quotes taken out of context of, you know, Excuse me, Montez Sweat did say, you know, he's he's gonna. Uh, I forgot the exact quote was, but he wants to, um, like check his surroundings or whatever before doing a deal. But if you go back in that press conference, he says he doesn't handle any of the negotiations. His agents doing all that work. The Bears not getting a deal done for him was a very, 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 very unlikely scenario, and they got a deal done with him. And now it's like everyone wants to double down on other, all these stupid takes. To me, man. It was just so frustrating. It made no sense at all that the takes that were coming out. But my overall point is the Bears got a deal done. They got a four-year extension. They paid them a lot of money. They paid them big bucks to be a, a premier pass rusher in this league. Um, and, you know, while the Bears didn't get any sacks on Sunday against the, the Saints, Sweat still had well, – I think he led the team with like four pressures. Um, and then he, I, think, I think he had like a 16% – uh, pressure rate, and there was a 2.73 um, second average time to pressure, according to um, Courtney Cronin. And he only had 25 pass rushes. That's not bad. To me, it's an immediate upgrade. 
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, well, it, it absolutely is an immediate upgrade. And I think it, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, we talked about if the Bears are going to make a move at all, it was going to be for a pass rusher. I think many expected Chase Young, and then obviously some of the stuff that's come out about Chase Young since, it makes a lot more sense why the Bears didn't go that route, especially after the Chase Claypool thing last year. But, and well, let me let me say this about that point. I don't mean to cut you off there, but like the 49ers have the luxury to take a chance on someone like Chase Young. The Bears do not have that luxury. Well, they also have multiple comp picks, too, that the Bears uh, don't too. have in the third round. So, I mean, that's basically a fourth-round pick for, for Chase Young. And I understand people's – you know, it's like – but the problem is that there's so much recency bias within NFL – you know, within the NFL and within its takes and stuff like that. It's like, dude, going into this year, a lot of people thought a fourth or fifth-round pick could get Chase Young from Washington, and then all of a sudden it's – well, you know, the Bears should have made that move. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, sure. But, I mean, Chase Young has been a better overall pass rusher this year. But it's this year. I mean, we're talking – we're not even ta- – at that point, we're ha- we weren't even talking a half a season yet. So, I, I just – I don't know, man. It's one of those things where I – so, here's the thing. I completely understand the move. I think it makes sense because, like you pointed out, okay, like you just got done talking about, you know, these level of – of you know pass rushers that hit the market. So I'm just going to give you some names and we'll keep Montez Sweat's name off the list just because obviously he signed an extension. Uh Daniel Hunter, Brian Burns, Josh Allen, Chase Young, Zadarius Smith, Bryce Huff, Joss Uche, um, Carl Lawson, and I guess you could put Marcus Davenport on that list would be the top free agent edge rushers from that group. Tell you right now, Brian Burns isn't hitting the open market. I can also feel pretty confident saying that Josh Allen in Jacksonville, considering he was a, I think he was like a top five pick, he's not just going to hit the, he's not going to hit the free agent market. So really, you're more talking about Daniil Hunter, who's going to be in his 30s when that, you know, by the time that he hits free agency. Chase Young, which we already know some of the issues with. Darius Smith's already in his 30s. He's been a good player, but he's also had some injury issues. Bryce Huff and Josh Uche are two two players right there who. Yes, they have put up some pretty good sack numbers, but at the same time, they're part-time kind of like you know Yannick and Gakwe type pass rushers in the market. Davenport, Marcus Davenport hasn't stayed healthy, so I think the biggest key out of this, like you pointed out, is in this. It, this is really what it comes down to: is yes, the Bears could have waited until free agency and taken their chances. Okay, but Atlanta. I mean, this has been reported multiple places. Atlanta had a deal in place for sweat and basically what the deal was is it was going to be a conditional uh third round pick that would turn into a second round pick if they could get a deal done obviously if the bears could get a deal done considering you know he wanted to go back home and play for you know atlanta then obviously atlanta was going to be able to get the deal done it may have been a little bit cheaper whatever he was never going to hit the free agent market because here's the thing washington could have very easily have tagged him and said, okay, well, you know, we don't know if we want him, but we're going to go ahead and tag him, and then we're going to shop him around again and see what we can get. And it would have been the same exact thing over and over again. So it's like these these takes, they don't 
make a lot of sense. There's not a lot of logic. Now, here's my thing. Like if, if you don't like the move, if you say the Bears, you know, they're two and seven. They just made a similar move last year. They need all the draft capital that they can get. This move didn't make any sense. Okay. Yeah. You have, I mean, you definitely have a point. I mean, obviously the Bears need edge rushers, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, you know, my biggest critique of this was the fact that Jeremy Fowler from ESPN reported the day after the trade that the Bears had had absolutely zero extension talks prior to making the trade. Now, to me, I still I still think this. It's a bad process if that was truly the case. Now, I'm not saying that was truly the case because obviously they got a deal done pretty quickly. And maybe it was a little bit of an overpay, but I don't think it was by that much. It's not enough of an overpay to where I think that the Bears just basically said, oh, well, we're screwed. We're just going to throw as much money at him as possible to get him to sign. If that was the case, I do think that that is a bad process just because you can't make a trade for a player with a high second round pick on an expiring contract at two and seven and just hope things work out. So that would be my only real critique outside of that. I mean, I completely understand it. I I think honestly, my bigger issue right now is, is what is going on with the Jalen Johnson situation? Because Jalen Johnson, once again, he gave up one catch for two yards yesterday. Okay. This guy has been locked down all year. Yes. Health is a concern. Yes, uh, you know, consistency going back outside of this year has been a little bit of a concern. But I think that when you're looking at him, the quality, the caliber of player he is, I I don't know. I mean, am I crazy? I don't think the Trevon Diggs deal, considering it's basically a three-year deal, like when you actually look at it, I know it was a it was a, a five-year deal at $19 million a year. But when you actually look at the the, the money in it, it's only really a three-year deal. I don't know. I mean, am I crazy to think that that uh, Jalen Johnson is not very far off? Yes, Trayvon Diggs or Trayvon Diggs has a ton of interceptions. And yes, the impact of him missing the rest of the year for the Dallas Cowboys defense has been felt. I don't disagree with that at all. But I think when you look at actual coverage numbers and you look at what Jalen Johnson does as a cover corner, even though he doesn't get interceptions, I think that you could make an argument that he has similar value to a guy like Trayvon Diggs who gambles more. Yes, he has more interceptions, but he's not as good in coverage. Yeah, and you know, I, I do agree. I, I also think like the other thing to note is, is you also have to watch the eye test too. Like you mentioned, Trevon Diggs does gamble more, gets more interceptions. He also gets beat a little more too. Um, that's just for my eye test. I, I think it's simple, man. And I think it's, it's pretty like clear. Brian Poles and the people negotiating for the Bears – don't believe that Jalen Johnson is a top 10 corner in this league or deserves high-end money. Um, Jalen Johnson thinks the opposite. Now, I don't think Jalen Johnson is going out there to reset the market. Um, he said that. He, he seems to be a truthful guy. Um, nothing that he said in the past kind of leads me down the road that he would lie or anything like that. Um, but at the same time, it's like you know he probably values himself at that number that he wants. It's probably top 10 money. Um, he, he has his reasons why he's stated them out in public. He, he does not take those gambles. He does not take those chances. Teams do not throw his way often. He doesn't get those chances. So I, I think that's it. I mean, I just think the bears just don't value him. And this is pretty much the same thing we've seen with a couple of different players as well. Like, but isn't that an issue that that's, that's my oh, whole 100%, thing is like, yes, Ryan Poles. That, and that's my issue with Ryan Poles is it's not like he's proven that he can, you know, have a different value on a player like Roquan Smith, for example, 
and turn around and add a comparable or better player because that's kind of the thing. Like last year, we're like, oh, well, they traded away Roquan Smith. They clearly don't value the linebacker position. What do they do? They go out and spend $24.5 million uh, you know, a year on two different linebackers, including giving Tremaine Edmonds $18 million a year. He's nowhere near the caliber of player that Roquan Smith was. And I understand that there was more to it than that. But my concern is, is that if you don't value him that way, then why are you asking for a second round pick in return for a corner that's going to be a free agent in nine games? Well, not even it was what late first. Early yeah, well, that's a, yeah, that's a, well, yeah, that's what he said. A late, a late first or an early second. It's like so if you have that valuation on a corner, yes. which is a high value position in the NFL, yep. then what the hell are we doing? And honestly, watching the other Bears defensive backs, like. I think Kyler Gordon's really good. Tyreek Stevenson has struggled this year. Like, we have to be honest. He had a nice camp. He's getting picked on a lot. I get it. I'm not saying we should write him off. He's really struggled. Are we confident that he's going to be a a Jalen Johnson-type player in the future? I don't think we can say that. And, you know, it's just, yeah, I'm with you, man. It's it's There's something wrong with the negotiations. Now, is it Ryan Poles? Is it people helping him in the negotiation stages? I don't know, man, but it's like there is a little concern because the only extension outside of Montez Sweat, but the only like the only extension they've had homegrown talent has what has been Cole Komet. Yeah, Cole Komet. I mean, and they extended Andrew Billings on a on a Andrew good deal, but he, I mean, he wasn't homegrown talent by any means. I mean, he was a free agent that signed this year. So Cole Komet's pretty much the only homegrown, right? And yeah, and Dar- I would have I would have to guess at this point, Darnell Mooney's going to hit the free agent market. Which yeah, I don't, I don't mind that. I, you know, I don't mind that. But I, yeah, I mean, at, at a certain point in time, it doesn't matter if these guys are your guys or not. Like, you have to keep good talent on your roster. You, you have to, and that's the other thing that I think hasn't been talked about enough. I think the Bears have had too much cap space. As crazy as that sounds, I think they've had too much cap space and they've been too bad because I think what's going on, like Mike McGlinchey, thank God that didn't happen. Yeah. is that you have these free agents that are like, okay, you want me? Well, you kind of suck, so you're going to have to pay me even more money. Plus, you got a ton of money, so I know you can pay me. And Ryan Poles is, is drawing lines in the sand, which I don't mind to a certain extent, but drawing lines in the sand with free agents that are average to whatever, you know, uh, slightly above average, slightly below average, versus players that you know are good that are on your own roster are two very different things, and I think that's where he needs to get a lot better at. Yeah, I mean, there's, dude, like, there's legit concerns. Like, you should be concerned about these negotiations. And, yeah, they got Montez Sweat done. Um, they had, he had, Ryan Poles had to get Montez Sweat done. He doesn't get Montez Sweat done. The pitchforks are out for him to be run out of town um, this offseason. I just, I'd be interested to see what Darnell Mooney has to say about negotiations and, and where things are at with that and how he views it. But, I don't know, man. It's a little concerning that that, like, like you said, man. Like, I don't think Jalen Johnson's a superstar corner. Um, he's a good cornerback. You have to build up your defense. Like, you let him go. You're you let him go this year. I mean, I, I think they're going to tag him, but you eventually let him go, and it's like you're replacing that need again. So, I don't know, man. Like, it, what 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 do you think is going to happen? I I totally think I think it's ninety nine point nine percent. He's going to get a, a tag this offseason. Yeah, no, I think he's going to get a tag. I think it's just a matter of which tag it's going to be now. I, and I know like we've talked to our friend 
uh, Bill Zimmerman. Um, and he, he, he disagrees with me and, and I get it kind of, but I, I think the transition tag is going to be what makes most sense. It's a few million dollars cheaper. And ultimately it's kind of like the Kyle Fuller situation where you say, okay, you think you're worth this. We think you're worth this. So go ahead and go out on the market, you know, and basically find your deal. Cause it's not like the franchise tag. Uh, and you know, where basically if a team signs you, they owe, you know, and they, you know, and the their bears don't match a contract, like they owe the bears draft picks. Like that won't be the situation. It'll be simply like, this is the contract we're going to give them. You're either going to match it, uh, whether you like the structure, whether you're comfortable with it or you're not. And if you don't like him, then you lose them for free. And if you like it, then you, you know, you have a contract like Kyle Fuller. So there's obviously some risk involved just because, you know, like the Packers like love to do, they do low guarantees, but the way that they structure their contracts, it's the, the actual true guarantee ends up being uh, much more than what it looks like. And the contract ends up dragging on, which is why the Packers have had so many cap issues over the last few years because of them consistently kicking the can down the road because the, the cap hit grows. But, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, it, at some point in time, you've either got to you've either got to get closer on value and, you know, and respect the fact that, you know, a player may be overvaluing them themselves or whatever. But at the same time, like, what are you going to do? You're going to replace them in free agency and you're going to go out and you're going to overpay for you're going to overpay for a, a lesser talent. I mean, let's just look at I mean, I've got it up, so we might as well bring it up in terms of the free agent uh, talent. Um, next year at cornerback, AJ Terrell, Jalen Johnson, Stefan Gilmore, who's already in his 30s, Adoria Jackson, who's okay, Kendall Fuller, who's getting close to 30 and is more of a nickel than he is anything else. Kenny Moore is another nickel. Uh, Chidobe Awuzie, another nickel. Legereus Sneed, uh, Rocky Sin, Stephen Nelson, Sean Murphy Bunting, another another nickel. Uh, I mean, dude, like so you're basically, if you let Jalen Johnson walk, like you're not going to get as good of a player and you're probably going to end up paying him close to the same amount of money. Let's not make this another Roquan Smith situation, except you won't get anything for him. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't care who the defensive coordinator is next year. Um, I think Jalen Johnson is a guy that can basically play whether you want him to play zone or man. I think that he's maybe not that top end lockdown number one corner, but I definitely think he's a number one corner. And I still think at 24 years old, he's ascending. I mean, really, the biggest issue that I have with Jalen Johnson is availability, but luckily these haven't been season ending injuries. It's been nagging injuries. He misses a few games. He comes back, whatever it is. But I, I still think it, dude, if, if the price tag is $19 million a year, that's not going to look that bad in two or three years with the way the cap keeps rising. Yeah. I mean, I would not be in favor of the transition tag. I just, I don't, I don't think that would be smart from Ryan Poles. Um, I just, I don't know. I guess we'd learn a lot about Ryan Poles, right? Like if they did use a transition tag on him, like if he's forced to make a move and a decision or forced to make a decision on, on Jalen Johnson that way, we're kind of going to learn a little bit more how Ryan Poles wants to operate. And I don't know, man, like I, I thought I understood at the time, the Roquan Smith deal just keeps standing out to me. Like I just, I, it's over. I get it. But like, Man, I'd love to have that linebacker in our defense right now, especially watching Tremaine Edmonds struggle out there. Like, dude, we watched Jack Sanborn play a really good game on, on Sunday. And how much is Jack Sanborn getting paid? Dude, like, well, it's less than a million dollars. And it's like $700,000. I mean, yeah, Jack Sanborn played better yesterday than Tremaine Edmonds has looked all year. 
Yeah, and that, I mean, that's disappointing. Like, I, I thought the same thing for TJ Edwards, but I think TJ Edwards is getting better and better as the weeks go on. In my I opinion. think, see, I think Edwards has played exactly where his contract was. I know, like, a lot of projections had him in like the 12, 13, 14 million dollar range. I think it felt like a steal at the time, but now watching him play, he's obviously got some limitations. I think he's playing. I think he's playing exactly where his contract value is. I don't have any issue with that. I don't have any issue with him at all. I think, frankly, I don't I think him and Stanborn would be fine. Uh, yeah, I did have a little – at the start of the season, I was a little disappointed in, in Edwards. I probably had a little higher expectations. I do think the tackling is a little bit of a concern still, um, but I do think he's played better and he's living up to that contract. Um, but you're right, dude. Like, the Tremaine Edmonds contract looks really bad right now, and – it's hard, man. You let a linebacker like Roquan Smith walk and you then go and spend money on a linebacker. This is the result when you have Jack Sanborn sitting there who is, you know, I I wasn't as high on him as a lot of people were and Bears Twitter was throughout the offseason. He, he's played better than I've given him credit for. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know, man. It, it's like I said, we're going to learn a lot about Ryan Poles this offseason. Like a, a, a lot. There's going to be a lot of key decisions to make. He's going to have a lot of cap space. He's going to have two first round picks, probably a top two to three pick. There's just, there's a lot we're going to learn from him. And I don't know, man. I feel like it's not even going to, it, it, I feel like it can't be an in between year. Like you can't just have like, oh yeah, Ryan Poles, this was just a down the middle offseason. I think it's either going to be really good or really bad. I think it has to be one of those two. I, I, I just, the state of this franchise, um, how it's going. I, I just don't think there's any in between there. And maybe that's being a little, um, not harsh, but a little, you know, high expectations. I just, I, that's, that's how I think it is. And, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I, there's talk of, of Matty Rufus potentially saving his job. I don't see that, man. I, I, I think he's, dead in the water. I think there's no saving him unless they win out and make the playoffs, which is not happening. Um, I just, it, it's crazy. Cause like even today, man, what he said to, you know, Nicholas Moreno from CHGO asked him about Ty, Tyson Bajan playing more in the pocket in this game, or I think, I believe that was a question. Um, that answer that he gave just word salad, throw up all, I mean, I read that on, on on Twitter, X, whatever, and I still can't wrap my brain around it. And for those listening, go look at this tweet. It, it is just – it's insane, man. And it's, like, it's the same stuff. There's no accountability. There's no explanations. There's just no coaching putting the um, players in a better situation. I think it's over. I think it's done. It should be done. Um, and if they had didn't have two – Coaches now leave for reasons that they shouldn't be leaving. You know what I mean? Like that should not be happening around the building, whatever was going on. Um, like that's just inexcusable. And then to say your culture is is great. I mean that dude, that like we didn't even talk, we didn't really we touched on it a little bit, but like that press conference on what was it, Wednesday, flat out embarrassing. Just flat out that's the state of the Chicago Bears right now. Just embarrassing. That embodied everything right there it's 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 pathetic man yeah i thought so i thought ryan poles did a really good job um but i thought matt even flew i mean he was drowning like straight up drowning like he 
And and that's, that's he, he the, ended his opening statement and looked down and said, "Yeah, we're happy about the Montez Sweat trade." And then knew what was coming. That's that's yeah. that was crazy to me. Well, and that's kind of the thing. Like, I get the point that they have certain standards that you know that they place within the building on the players and 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 anybody in the building, including the coaching staff. And and I think it's worth noting that obviously, good on them for keeping the accountability with these coaches and making sure if they're not, you know, living up to the, basically the human resources part of things, which we won't speculate, but I I think everybody at least has a generalized idea of, you know, what it takes for, you know, a coach to get fired like that. Like you have to applaud them for, for holding that aspect accountable because I feel like there's probably a lot of teams that just kind of sweep this stuff under the rug, but at the same time, it's still one of those things where it's like, dude, two coaches in a tenure is not a good thing. Like, I can't even remember the last time the Bears have had one to coach fire is not a good co- thing. I, I know. Well, that's all I'm saying. I can't even remember the last time the Bears have had to fire a coach for something like this. But the fact that two of these happened in a month and a half or two months or whatever the hell it was, I mean, dude, come on, man. Like, in in the sit there, and it's like, I get it. Like, what else is he going to say? But at the same time that like, they sit up there and say, our culture is awesome. Like what the hell are you talking about, dude? You've won five. You, like you're five and 21 right now. In the, in the 26 games that you've coached, you're five and 21. Like your teams have had a negative 68 point margin, uh, you know, coming off of a win. You've never strung together a winning streak. You've won again, like it, it would take basically down the stretch in these last eight games, it would take four wins for Matt Eberflus or four or five. I think it's I think it's four wins now uh for Matt Eberflus to not be the losingest coach in Bears history. Like I I I, I don't I, I mean I'm sorry, but like this whole like we're getting closer, we're close, we're about to break through. Like, why in the hell? Would anybody believe that that is truly what's going on when any time that you win a game, you turn around the next week and not only do you lose, but you usually look extremely unprepared. Even that game against the Vikings, man, it's like they come out, they blow out the Raiders. They're like, okay, maybe they're turning the corner. Justin Jefferson's out. Like, you know, the Bears have a chance to really get back in this thing, blah, 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 blah. blah. They come out. They look well, wait, uh, horrific. They, they, they beat the Commanders, right? Then, oh, they, beat, then they played the Vikings. Was it the Commanders and the Vikings? Yeah. So it's Commanders, Vikings, and Raiders. Okay, see, I, it's, that's kind of the th- okay. So either <laughs> way, it's like you come out of that game and it's like you feel great. I mean, either way, they were they were both blowout wins. Either one of those games are blowout wins, and then to come out the next week and look the way that they did, completely unprepared. And again, like even going back to last year, like this team was not very, you know, it wasn't penalized very much. Like, yes, they were shooting themselves in the foot at points, but a lot of that was because they had bad talent on the football field. Like they've upgraded their talent. This team should have been considerably better. And yet they're considerably worse in the penalty department. They're still making the same damn mistakes. The coaching's not getting any better. Like there is absolutely nothing. Honestly, there's absolutely nothing that you can point to to say, yeah, this thing is heading in the right direction. And I understand Ryan Poles is going to say what Ryan Poles is going to say. And, you know, Matt Eberflus is not going to be like, yeah, man, I'm in way over my head. Like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I just hope I don't get fired at the end of the season. Like, I know he's not going to say that. But to me, I, it, it goes, listening to Matt Eberflus talk, I, it feels like it goes beyond aloofness. Like, 
we saw a coach in Matt Nagy who knew like it was over. Like that last year, Matt Nagy knew it was over. Like, I mean, he looked like he aged 10 years throughout that season. To me, Matt Eberflu is just, I, I honestly believe that he believes the words that are coming out of his mouth. Like he Someone thinks does, that they're 100%. And that's what bothers me is it's like, it, it, like how in the hell can you honestly think that you're this like, oh, we're two and two in our last four games? That, dude. Congratulations, man. You have five win, five wins over 26 games to start off your NFL career as a head coach. That like, what the hell are we doing? Drove me crazy. Not only him saying that, but him saying that they were close in another game. Like they came out flat against the Vikings. Like you said, they were flat. There was no time. I don't know about you. There was absolutely no point in that game after kickoff where I thought the Bears were going to win that game. Absolutely none. And like, for them to say, yeah, we're two and two over the last four games, and we almost had another one. Well, you also got steamrolled by the, the, the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers could have very easily put up 50 on them if they wanted to. Yeah, like, they, was the same Chargers easily. team that was struggling. They were, they, yeah, I mean, come on, dude. Like, it, it, come on. It's crazy, man. And like, dude, like, I mean, you're right. Like, where have they gotten better? You want to hear some crazy stats? 1.3 sacks per game on average, the Bears, less in the NFL. They going into week nine against the uh, against the Saints and they commit another one. They had 16 false starts in the in the offense line, or I think the offense had 16 false starts, which led the NFL. Like, what is going on? Bears fans at Soldier Field in the last two seasons have seen three wins. They've seen three total wins they and zero watched, divisional wins during this zero time. divisional wins they watched them beat the 49ers texans and um god who, the raiders like i don't know man it is it's 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 bad like it, it is it's really really bad um yeah i don't i don't even like it's it's just for him to stand up there and say that stuff was just it was wild to me man like there's got to be a change. I don't understand. I, I mean, I hope, like, I never want anyone to get fired, but I hope there's no way that George and, and Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles, even if he if he's around, look at this and say, oh, yeah, we have to, we have to, you know, run it back. Like, yeah, I said the defense played better, but, like, dude, they still gave up 24 points. Like, they're still giving up a lot of points. Like They it, gave it, up 24 the points. Center. They didn't get a single sack. They didn't get a single turnover. Turnover. Yep. I mean, yeah, dude. It, it's there, there's nothing. There's nothing really left to say at this point. I mean, just look no further. And I know it's a different sport. And I'm not even a Cubs fan. Look no further than what the Cubs just did today. They go out of they go out of left field, right? They barely miss the players. They go out of left field, realizing they don't have the right manager. What do they do? They go out and they give Craig Council the biggest managerial contract in the history of the sport to lure him away from the Milwaukee Brewers, their division rival. So, you know, balls in your court, George McCaskey. You know, balls in your court, uh, Kevin Warren. Like, you know, you don't need to go out and get Jim Harbaugh. You don't need to go out and make some splashy move. But I think that at this point in time, I think you, you need to realize, like, this is not working. They need a new head coach in here. There's no way in hell that they should be co- trusting this head, this this coaching staff to be developing a quarterback next year if that's the route they go either. That would and be don't, a giant mistake. Don't bring in any advisors, please, for the love of God. Like, don't bring an advisor in. 
I, just, I mean, if Kevin Warren can't do the hiring, then what, what you know, what is he here for? Is he really here just for the stadium that still hasn't made any progress? Like I, you know, like yeah. come on. Yeah, I mean, he didn't. I don't know, man. He doesn't look happy. Like then they show him games and stuff. Like looks like it's it's like and Ryan Paul's man. It looks like they're aging really quick and losing in the NFL will do that to you. You'll age. You'll 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 you you just it takes a major major toll. Like it's just, that's how it is. Well, these last two seasons have felt like an eternity for me. I know that much. <laughs> I know, man. Like we were talking before the show. It's like we were sitting here like, man, okay, like we're kind of ready for the season to be over with because I think the offseason is going to be more exciting. And and it's it's time for the Bears to go win the offseason again. Yes, and it's a shame, dude. It's November 6th. When is the last time we've actually had a Bears team sit here and say like in starting November, like, yep, they got a legit shot at – Making a run to the playoffs, like 2000. I think that was well, the last time. I mean, you talking about 2020? You mean? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm sorry, not 2000. 2020. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say they've 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 had some playoff success. Yeah, no. I mean, 2020, 2020 yeah. has been the last. But even time. then, I think a lot of us were like, "This ain't gonna. Th- th- there's no way this is sustainable." I mean, they were do they were pulling games out they of backed into you know, it too. Pulling, what would you say? They backed into the playoffs. Yeah, they did. Well, they backed in the playoffs because Kyler Murray and uh yeah. and Cliff Kingsbury crumbled again. So yeah, it's yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, it's just it's at a point where and I get it, everybody's at different points. Like my mindset is at this point in time, like winning doesn't no good. Like outside of the Carolina Panthers game on Thursday night, winning doesn't no good. It 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 gets them further away from firing their coaching staff, which they need to do. It gets them further away from another impact draft pick. Like people keep talking, Oh, if they get the you know, second, third pick, they need to trade away one of those picks. No, take the elite talent that's on the board. The bears have done enough trading around, take the elite talent that's on the board, make a real difference on your roster. The bears need elite talent. Like that's where it's at. Like the bears, like them winning an extra three or four games and saving people's jobs or knocking themselves out of the race, you know, for a top five pick, doesn't make any sense at this point. It's not going to benefit them in the long run. This whole learning the win stuff is complete nonsense. Get the right head coach in here. Get the right players in here. They will win. And it would be it in my eyes. I know a lot of people disagree with this. In my eyes, it would be malpractice if they did not take one of the top quarterbacks. If they have a top two pick, if they have a top two pick, it, it's they're going to take a quarterback. They absolutely there's just there's no that. way around that. I, and I know that some people are still holding out hope for Justin Fields. I, I just don't see it, man. I really don't because no, you're gonna, he'd have to have an historic. Yeah, but at and, that point, then you're saving jobs, and you know, I, just, I don't, yeah. I don't see it, man. I just, I, I, and there's no, in my personal opinion, there's no way a third head coach is going to come in and be like, that's the guy that I want to hitch my wagon to out of the gate. Because if Ryan Pole stays, that leash is not going to be as long as it was when he originally got hired. I mean, let's just be completely honest about that too. Like he, it's not like he's coming in fresh, like he's going to be on a second head coach. He's going to be pushed to produce right out of the gate. There's just so many factors beyond Justin Fields play and, you know, blaming whoever you want for the reason that we've, we've, we've gotten to this point. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's just, yeah, if they get a top two pick, they're taking the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they should. It's just, it's, it'd be a franchise malpractice if, if they didn't. Um, Aaron, what, uh, let's wrap things up. What's your prediction for Thursday night and an X Factor? Well, this is the first time in quite a while that I'm taking the Bears to win the game. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say, man, I need to stop hovering in the 20s. I'll say 24-16 Bears. I think uh, 
I don't know, man. I, I just it, it feels like one of those games the Bears should win. Brian Burns is not going to play. Uh, Jeremy Chen is out. Another one of their corners is also out too with a concussion. Uh, they got a lot of injuries right now. I do think that the Bears are a better team. Um, Bryce Young has struggled quite a bit. He's thrown a lot of interceptions. They've turned the ball over a lot. Their defense isn't terrible, but they're not as good as they should be. So, um, yeah, I'll say, you know, like I said, 24-16 Bears. Um, and then as far as an X factor goes, I'm going to go ahead and say, um, yeah, I'm just trying to think what what – let me just think about this for a second because it it's kind of that that's kind of the tough part about all this is that like especially I hate these Thursday games. I know you do too because you pump out a lot yeah. more than I do. It's like trying to turn the page from one week to another is just not I don't know. I I, I guess you know what the X factor is going to be winning the turnover battle. Uh, the Bears turned the ball over five times last week. The Panthers turned the ball over three times. These are two bad teams that cannot afford mistakes. I think whatever team makes the least amount of mistakes is going to win the game. Yeah, and in the um, Colts, two pick sixes against the Panthers on Sunday in week nine. Uh, the Bears should have some opportunities. I'm going to go Bears 17, Panthers 13. Um, I, I just think the Bears are the better team, like you said. If Justin Fields plays, I think it'll be a little higher, maybe like 24, 30 to 13. Um, my X factor, let's go with the pass rush. Um, make life hell on, on Bryce Young. He's already struggling. He's a rookie quarterback. Um, don't let him out of the pocket. Don't let him keep plays alive. Don't let him settle in the pocket where, you know, he can um, make throws. Um, yeah, I, I, I just think the pass rush will be the biggest X factor in this game. But I do think the Bears are going to win. They're going to keep Carolina at one win, which also helps the Chicago Bears draft chances there. Aaron, where can everyone follow you on Twitter? Where can everyone read your work? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL on Twitter, and you can read my work on thebearreport.com. Awesome. You can uh, follow the Bear Report on Twitter at, at JustBearReport. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. Check out our work on bearreport.com. Please rate, review, subscribe on all major podcasting platforms. Helps us. Helps picks for polls. Until next week, everyone, please stay healthy. Please stay safe. Enjoy your weekend with the Bears playing on Thursday. Go out and uh, have some fun on Sunday and uh, enjoy all that. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.